heights to the depths of the sea. Psalm 49. It says, They that trust in their wealth, uh, beginning in verse 6, excuse me. The psalmist says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceases forever, that, that he should still live forever and see not corruption. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. As Pastor Rob begins chapter 10 in the book of 1 Kings, we learn how King Solomon's life begins to take a turn to compromise regarding his walk with God. Wealth can cause great change in a person's life and begin to affect one's pride. In Solomon's case, this was no exception. However, he seemed to notice his walk with God diminishing in his later years as he received inspiration to write the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Pastor Rob uses Psalm 49 to summarize all of this. Let's join Pastor Rob now as he explains how Solomon begins to fall in wealth and pride. Uh, Before we get into chapter 10 this evening, I want to give a correction of something that I said last week that I need to uh, just make sure that you understand. So... um, Whenever I, whenever I do something like that, I try to correct it as soon as possible. Um, and this was a really silly thing, actually, because we were talking about the, you know, as we're getting into Solomon's life, and, and now we're getting at the, Solomon's life right at the apex of his reign and his life, really. And tonight is really the apex. It's, it's, the, it's the top of the triangle before he starts to go down. <laughs> and so as we were discussing that last week, if you remember, we were talking about the different kings of Israel because uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but all of the northern kingdoms, we, we know that after Solomon's reign, his son Rehoboam is going to Uh, only really have jurisdiction over two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and then Jeroboam is going to have jurisdiction over the the northern ten tribes. God's going to split that whole thing in half uh, because of uh, a number of things. But one thing that's very interesting is that because uh, the northern ten tribes, their very beginnings with Jeroboam was founded in idolatry. And so the northern ten kings, they never really recovered. They always stayed in that frame of mind. And not one single king in the northern kingdom was a good king. They were all idolatrous, all horrible kings. But in the southern uh, state uh, of Israel, uh, over Jerusalem, there were only a handful of really good kings. The majority of them were evil, but there were a handful. In fact, there were six of them that were decent, and of those six, there were a few that were really exemplary. 
And one of those that I failed to mention last week, because um, I, I think you can appreciate this, as you're, um, whenever you're looking at a chart and you're trying to transcribe something into, you know, into, into a note, sometimes your eye will skip. And I skipped a real huge man, uh, uh, excuse me, Hezekiah. And he was a good king. You know, he had his issues, but he, he was another uh, great king of Judah, and so I failed to mention him last week, but he is certainly a good king. You can read about him in Second Kings chapters 18 through 20, and also in Second Chronicles 29 through 32. So I failed to mention that, so I just wanted to get that out in the open before we get started. And, uh, and also, while I'm on this idea of corrections, I made another boo-boo. And that is, um, if you remember, we were talking about the 420 talents of, of gold in the previous chapter, and um, I made a mistake in looking at this wrong, uh, it was a dated um, uh, estimate of the price of gold. And it's really, it wasn't $1,100 as I spoke, but it was around eight, seven, you know, $1,800 an ounce instead of 1100 So there was one gentleman in the, in the fellowship who, when he heard it was 1100 he went home and had to double check because he had some, um, some stocks in gold. And he's like, if it dropped that much, I got to do something really quick. So, um, so that was kind of interesting, actually, kind of fun. You know, so um, I might just do that from time to time just to see the expressions on your face. And if you leave before the study is over with, I know you've probably got stocks and bonds. I'm, only, I'm just having fun. So anyway, that's it. So let's go on and uh, move into chapter 10. First uh, Kings chapter 10. Uh, last week we looked at, uh, obviously, chapter 9, where God appeared to Solomon the second time. And we looked at this relationship between Hiram, the king of Tyre, and Solomon, and how they had this business relationship, and, um, and how they developed a, um, uh, really, sea exports, or a way by the sea. Uh, they, Solomon built ships, and Hiram's men helped Solomon because they were seamen. They knew exactly how to deal in those kinds of bigger waters, and they were inexperienced. And so Solomon agreed with Hiram from the king of Tyre from the north, and they developed this business relationship. And, and so they, they did that. And so now, as things are ramping up now for Solomon, again, I, I said this prior, but now as we look at chapter 10, we're, we're well into Solomon's 40-year reign. We're probably uh, somewhere at least 20 years, maybe even 22 or 23 years now into his reign. Okay, Because remember, it took him seven years to build the house of God, the temple, and then another 13 years to build the temple complex, you know, the, t- uh, the house of the uh, forest of Lebanon and all those other, that whole complex, it took another 13 years. So a total of 20 years. And so now we're going beyond that now when Solomon is starting to trade and his wealth is starting to really, really increase. And um, the chapter tonight really highlights the, the pinnacle of Solomon's reign and of his fame. And his great wealth is certainly cataloged here for us to some extent. And it's from this high perch that Solomon is in that we'll see Solomon begin to fall because of his disobedience. And we're going to get into that disobedience. Uh, He's already developing uh, these signs and these things that he's doing that were very opposed 
uh, to the word of God. And certainly Solomon knew these things, but for whatever reason, he began to amass uh, cattle, or not cattle, but horses and chariots. And, and God told him that he would make him prosperous, and he certainly was. But there is also that element within the human heart that says, well, if you're going to increase me, then I'm going to help you out in this, Lord, and I'm going to increase your increase. And I think there's a possibility, just a possibility, that perhaps that Solomon went maybe over the bounds of maybe perhaps of what God had given him the grace to handle. It's possible, because when it comes to money, that's uh, an Achilles heel for many people, and especially when given a lot of money. And so tonight we're going to be talking a lot about that, because the Word of God has a lot in it concerning the dangers of wealth. And unfortunately, many people associate wealthy people with corruption. They associate wealthy people with arrogance and even suspicion of how they accumulated that wealth. And um, it's a really an unfortunate thing uh, because we should never judge a, ber- a person or, we, you know, the old phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. And we get that from 1 Samuel 16. Remember, when Samuel went to Jesse's house and he's looking for a king, and God told him there'd be a king of the sons of Jesse. So Samuel naturally gets all of his seven sons out. David was the eighth, but he was out in the fields with the sheep. So he gathers them all up from the tallest to the youngest, and of course David wasn't there initially. He looks at Eliab and he said, certainly this is God's anointed, he's handsome, he's tall, you know. And God, remember, said to him, he says, don't look at him because of his physical appearance or his stature, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. He looks on the heart. And so we have to be careful with this idea of people who are wealthy because uh, many of the patriarchs in the Bible were very wealthy, men who worked very hard, and they were uh, uh, given great uh, riches as a result of their hard work. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. As long as you've obtained that wealth in godly ways, in honesty and hard work, and as long as you have a good attitude toward that wealth. See, God doesn't have a problem with people who are wealthy. It's just what they do with that and how they gain that, and that's very important. Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 13, 11, it says, Wealth gotten by vanity or emptiness shall be diminished, but he that gathers by labor shall increase. In other words, the one who works with his hands and really is working hard to do his, what he does well, he's going to be rewarded for his labors. And, and there's something really wonderful about that. In fact, our country was founded upon that. You know, our, our, everything that we see in our country is people worked hard. You know, people from abroad came over through Ellis Island with nothing but their shoes and a, and a bag of, of clothes, and they had nothing. And, they, and many of them are successful businessmen and women whose companies are still with us today, you know, generations later. And if you work hard, you get rewarded, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to work hard. Whether you work hard and get wealthy or whether you work hard and you just have a meager living, It's good to work hard and to do it honestly as unto the Lord. And it's good for us to remember that because all that we have been given has been given to us by God, and we need to remember that his work is the greatest investment that we can invest in, right? The investment of the church and what God wants to do. That's the greatest investment we could make. 
You may not, get, uh, you may not see it on the ticker tape, you know, the S&P, or you may not see it in the Dow Jones. You may not see it on the ticker tape, but guess what, folks? As we invest in the kingdom of God for the souls of men and women, God is going to reward you in glory. And that's where it's really going to matter. I could care less about what happens on this earth as far as, you know, being, you know, um, my rewards. Uh, the rewards that are going to last for eternity are the ones I'm more concerned about. And, and so it's good to have a, a good perspective on that. And, and a good perspective on wealthy people. I personally know and I'm acquainted with people who are very extremely wealthy. Um, and you'd never know it by looking at them. You'd never know it. And, and, and they're down to earth. They're very they're generous. They're, they're, they're guarded. They understand how people look at them. But they're not stingy. They're, they're, they're just, but they're not a spendthrifts either. And they got good hearts. And you know, that's, that's a, a good thing. But for many, wealth is a snare. In fact, turn with me to Psalm 49. Psalm 49. Psalm 49. It says, they that trust in their wealth, uh, beginning in verse 6, excuse me, the psalmist says, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceases forever, that, that he should still live forever and see not corruption." For he sees that wise men die, and like, likewise the fool and the brutish person perishes and leaves their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and that their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own names. And nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not, and he is like the beasts that perish." And this their way is their folly, yet their, pros- their posterity approves their sayings. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Be not afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. He shall, his glory shall not descend after him, though while he lived he blessed his soul, and men will praise him when you do well to yourself. But he shall go to the generation of his fathers, and they shall never see light. And man that is an honor and understands not is like a beast that perishes. So, you know, we have to be really careful with wealth. And as we look at Solomon's life, uh, the wealth that this man had was insurmountable. He, he made Elon Musk and um, um, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, he would dwarf them all. <laughs> That's how much, how wealthy Solomon was. And yet God uh, warned them, the children of Israel, uh, let me just read this to you, but you might want to write the reference. And this is a, a, a reference that you've heard before. It's Deuteronomy 8, beginning in verse 10 through 20. 
God warns his people before they enter the promised land. He says, when you have eaten, when you're in the land, Israel, and God is saying this, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he hath given thee. The, and, and by the way, I, I, I'm reading in the King James right now, forgive me, so um, that, that was just my fault. Um, but beware that you forget not the Lord your God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and you're full and have built goodly houses and dwell therein, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought you forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble you, and that he might prove you to do you good at your latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and my might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord your God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto your fathers as it is to this day. And it shall be, if you do not, if you do at all, forget the Lord your God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. And this is exactly where we find uh, Solomon. In Psalm 62, verse 10, it says, Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Again, there's nothing wrong with having wealth or money, but how you obtained it and your attitude toward it is everything. It's everything. And I'm not saying that Solomon's heart was stuck on, on, on all of this, but I think there was a point where he kind of augmented perhaps what the Lord had given him the grace to do uh, because he, he went beyond that, I believe, and it, and it corrupted him. And it's kind of interesting, too, when you think about the, the wisest man... Many of the Proverbs, and if you look in Ecclesiastes, you see him speaking of these things that he violated himself. I think there came a point in his life, and this is just my opinion, um, is that, and I think this is true for the human heart, you get to the point where you have so much success and so much fame and so much glory, and it just it doesn't seem to end. It just seems to be perpetuating. There comes a point where you start, your head starts going south. And you start thinking, A, that maybe you even deserve this, or something that you did um, you know, got you that wealth. That's a, a, a temptation. Or you let it destroy you. That's why I, I never desired, I, I, think, I, think, I thought it would be fun to win. You know, I don't play the Powerball and all that stuff, but I've often, we've all fantasized about, you know, what would we do if somebody gave us a ticket and then you get like 465 million, right? And then the cash payout's like 235 million after taxes. And so you had this lump sum, you know, and we all think about what we would do with it. And honestly, I would be frightened to death because I think it honestly would probably destroy me. And maybe God could, since I know that about myself, maybe he could bequeath me with that kind of wealth, knowing that I wouldn't. <laughs> but I doubt it. 
<laughs> you got to play to to win, and I don't play, so I, I'm not worried about that. But you know, our, our wealth is in heaven, our, in glory with him. That, that's what we really need to be concerned about. I love what Psalm 73 says. You can just write this down. He said, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as of our pure in heart. But as for me, my, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And we see that all around us today. So we can relate to the psalmist here. He says, for there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, these high and mighty wealthy people, power shakers, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance they have more than heart could wish they scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression they speak loftily they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth therefore as people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them and they say how does god know and is there knowledge in the most high behold these are the ungodly who are always at ease they increase in riches Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain, the psalmist would say, and I have washed my hands in innocence, for all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought to know, to understand this, it was too painful for me, and here it is, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. And see, that's as a child of God, we need to remember that. And it's very easy to look around. You know, we, we always do. We're like sheep, we, we, we look, we're in our pasture and we have this tendency to look over in another pasture and see what other people are doing and how, how their lives are. And, and, and we get a little bit jealous and then we, it, secretly in our heart, we don't even know it, but we try to attain what they have. And then we realize why there's no peace and why the peace goes. And we, we don't realize why we get into trouble because God hasn't designed us for that. Be content with such things as we have, isn't it? For godliness with contentment is great gain. And so when I begin to lust for other things, I better be really careful because if I strive and I s- to get that thing, whatever it is, it's going to be like gravel in my mouth and I'm soon going to be in bad shape. And I've seen that in my own life. And I'm sure most of us have at some point. And it doesn't even have to be money necessarily. It could be anything. But we learn, don't we? But notice a good attitude to have toward wealth as we get into this. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 30, this is a, a good attitude to have. And this is the one that I, I, I have right now, I believe, because I, I, re, I really believe this. It, it, life is simple when you're not exorbitantly rich, and I certainly am not. Notice what it says in Proverbs in verse 7. And we don't know uh, who this is. Uh, the author is Agur. We don't know. Some say that that might be a, a, a name for Solomon. We don't really know. But he says, two things, and he's speaking to the Lord, two things have I required of you. Deny me not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies, and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Psalm 37 says this, A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Psalm 37, verse 16. It's true, isn't it? 
You know, when you have more money, you have more toys. And the more toys you have, the more you have to upkeep those toys and pay insurance. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.